February 27th, 2024. We're in Masechet Berachot Andaf Kaf Aleph Amud Bet, counting from the top of the Amud down, 26 lines. Rabbi Huda Omer Mevarech Lifnehem Ul Aharehem. The Gemara is returning us to the words of the Mishnah. The Mishnah was talking about a person who's a Baal Keri, uh, individual who underwent a seminal emission, who is, uh, according to Halakha, Tameh. It's a person who can't be involved in regular activities that require Tahora. Uh, what's his status with regards to Tefillah, to Kiryat Shema? So the Mishnah made very clear there are restrictions. Uh, however, there was a dissenting voice. That was Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda's statement was that a Baal Keri can be Mivarech, he can even make the Berachot of Kiryat Shema, Lifnehem Ulaharehem. Not only in his mind, with his mouth, he can fully and completely be engaged in the Tefillah, the Berkot Kiryat Shema. The Gemara is very confused by that, very surprised. Lememra says the Gemara, this is implying the Kasavar Bihuda, that the Bihuda's opinion is Baal Keri Mutar Bidivre Torah. Does that imply that according to um, Rabbi Huda, a Baalkeri is permitted in Divre Torah, study, recitation of words of Torah. After all, he's permitting even saying Berkot Kiryat Shema. It runs counter to, again, the opinion of Hachamim, but moreover to what we seem to know based on our understanding of the Torah. Ve'ha'amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Don't we have a statement of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi which states, how do we derive the idea that a Baal Keri, who again has this ritual <coughs> impurity, doesn't only have restrictions with regards to handling Kodesh or entering into sanctified places, but he can't be speaking words of Torah. Where's that derived from, says Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, as the Pesukim teach, the Derashav Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi goes as follows. The Torah, at the beginning of Sefer Devarim, has the following two Pesukim adjacent, one after the other. And it goes as follows. First, the Pasuk says, You should instruct your children and your grandchildren. And then the Pasuk kind of pauses, it stops. But the next pasuk, which immediately follows thereafter, says, Yom, the day, the day on which you stood at Har Sinai with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Well, What's the connection of what the rabbis understand in the Hoda'atam Levanecha, instruction, teaching of Torah, study of Torah together with children and grandchildren, and Ma'amad Har Sinai. Again, a simple interpretation of the Pesukim is Ramban Nachmani, in fact, writes this in his Sefer Mitzvot, there's a mitzvah to remind and to remember Ma'amad Har Sinai. But we're not reading that way. We're reading the first Pasuk as referring to Tammu Torah. Second Pasuk to Ma'amad Har Sinai. Well, they were two, uh, one's a mitzvah and one was an important event. What does one have to do with the, oh, we got the Torah there. I got it. But it's a non sequitur. You went from teach Torah to Har Sinai. Oh, what's the connection? The derasha goes as follows. asurin. Afkan asurin. The same way at Har Sinai, if you had a seminal emission, you were forbidden to be present at Har Sinai. So too, <coughs> here, anytime you're speaking words of Torah, several questions that we need to address in this derasha. But before those questions, let's just understand again the context. The Gemara is challenging Rabbi Huda by a derasha that we seem to have existence from Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. The derasha seems to imply that a person who is a Baal Keri is forbidden to speak words of Torah. Now, to the specifics. 
because of these pesukim close one to the other, we derive the same way Har Sinai Ba'ale Kerin were Asurin, so to Torah in general. Who said at Har Sinai Ba'ale Kerin were Asurin? Well, the answer goes as follows. Moshe was commanded by God that men and women be separated for three days. With regards to men, a Baal Keri can be metahir himself that day. He could become tahor through immersion in mikveh in an appropriate way. We'll talk a little bit about that. But with regards to women, and this has ramifications in the context of Hilchot Nida, the Gemara understands from that that three days after a woman has uh, relations with her husband, the Keri, the, uh, the semen which is injected, keeps its status of Tameh, of Tum'ah, when she's poletet shichvat zera for three days. Also, it means that there was a restriction at Har Sinai from any involvement with Baal Keri, with Keri itself. Okay. Lastly, what needs to be addressed is what Tosafot told us on Dafkaf Bet is that by just being present at Har Sinai and listening, Shomea Ka'one Gemara Sukadaf Lamet Het, it's as if they said the words that they heard. So that means that we derive from this you know, several details all involved over here. The same way at Har Sinai, you couldn't have a Baal Keri engagement, so to Torah. But wait a second, I didn't speak words of Torah at Har Sinai. You did, based on this principle known as Shomea Ka'one. But back to our issue then. Those are the technicalities. Rabbi Uda, how do you resolve this? How do you explain the fact that you're permitting a Baal Keri to even say Berkot Kiryat Shema? When we seem to know, based on these derashot, that it's not so, he's asur b'divrei Torah. Says the Gemara, vechitema. Perhaps you'll say, Rabbi Yehuda lo darish simuchim. Gemara will have a little bit of a tangent over here, a relevant tangent. We'll understand why we call it a tangent, but it's relevancy in a moment. Says Gemara, maybe Rabbi Yehuda is not doresh simuchim. You might hear in the word simuchim the word samuch close one to the other. Maybe Rabbi Uda's methodology, the way in which he understood the Torah is that when I have two pesukim close one to the other, I don't make derashot based on that. I don't learn laws. I say, oh, well, that's pasuk, that pasuk. Maybe that's Rabbi Uda's principle. The Gemara says it's a nice idea. And in truth, that generally speaking seems to be Rabbi Uda's approach, but there's an important exception. However, you can't maintain that. Again, what would you what would you derive from that? If I'm not Doresh Simuchim, so therefore that Derashav Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, which told me that about Keri is Asur Torah because of those two Pesukim and Devarim Perek Dalet being one close to the other, ah, Rabbi Uda doesn't do that. Can't, can't argue that way because Rabbi Yosef already explained that even a person, a rabbi like Rabbi Yehuda, who generally speaking is not Doresh Simuchim, again, doesn't learn laws from Pesukim that are close one to the other. Bemishne Torah, that's the rabbinic word for Sefer Devarim, Darish. Why is it called Mishne Torah? Because it's a repetition of the Torah by Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a distinction between Devarim and the rest of the Torah, whereas in general, Rabbi Yehuda will not be Doresh Simuchim. When it comes to Sefer Devarim, he will. This is a Gemara and the understanding being that Sefer Devarim was written prophetically of course differently than the rest of the Torah to the extent that when Pesukim are close one to the other there's a significance one 
pasuk to the next. There's yitur in a way that there isn't in the rest of the Torah that you need to pay more attention to with regards to this. Now, what the Gemara goes into, I called it a tangent, is to do the following. Keep in mind, the question we need to address at the end of the day when all of this dust settles is, Rabbi Uda, it's Sefer Devarim. These are Pesukim clo- written close one to the other. How are you not Doresh like Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi? Okay, that's what we're going to need to return to. But we're going to spend a lot of time addressing before we do so. How we know that Rabbi Uda, generally speaking, is not Doresh Simuchim, and how we know that in Sefer Devarim he is Doresh Simuchim. That's what we're about we, to do right now. Doresh the Torah. One of the 13 Midot Shatorani Dreshavim, it's not Simuchim, no. And we'll read them briefly. What are they? Binyanav, two ty- several types of Binyanav, Klaluprat, etc. So why does anyone follow Simuchim? No, if it's different. not one of the 13 ways, and those are very creative ways in general. Well, sure, but you don't have in there Hekesh either. There, there are several of the, are of the household names in terms of Derashot that are not in those 13. That's one count of 13 from Rabbi Ishmael. That's an important question, you're right. But listen, a lot of Gemara has methodology uh, debates. You learn it this way, I have a different approach to The same way if you're op- to open a homash. You read Rashi has one approach, Rambad Nachmani, it's qualitatively different. And they have different approaches to the text. It's not that one's right and the other's wrong. They have different, uh, they, they, different genres, if you will, with regards to how to interpret. But great question. So that's what the Gemara is going to do. I'm going to, for a minute, together with, with you, uh, skip this. Uh, see the punchline of the Gemara and then fill in all those details. If you'll skip for a moment down uh, to where the, we get to right before the lines get fully widened. Right before they get fully widened, two lines up, it says Amre. You see Amre in the middle of the line? What's the first word on that line? Desamichle yeah. are the first words. Amre... Okay, so again, we have to fill in, what are we going to fill in in there? How we know that Rabbi Uda generally is not Doresh Simuchim, but in Mishneh Torah and Sefer Devarim he does. We're going to have two separate diagrams in order to bring that forth. Indeed, you're right, Rabbi Uda does make Derashot of Simuchim in the Mishneh Torah and Sefer Devarim. Well, if that's the case, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, However, vahane simuchim, these simuchim, those pesukim from Devarim Perek Dalet, mi ba'ele le'idach ter Yoshua ben Levi. He needs it, he utilizes it for idach, the other statement of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. In other words, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi had several suggestions for how to interpret this simuchim, v'hoda'atam, yom asher amadta. The other suggestion recorded in the Gemara and Kiddushin and Daf Lamed is De'amar B'Yoshua ben Levi Kola melamed libno The girsa in the Gemara and Kiddushin is Leben beno Keep in mind, Pasuk says V'hoda'atam lebanecha v'libnei banecha Okay, there's a question over there about the proper girsa here as well Kola melamed libno Torah Any person who teaches his son Torah Ma'alei alav ha-katuv ki'illu kibela mehar chorev It's uh, the Torah is saying to you It's as if you received it at Har Sinai In other words, the Pasuk says V'hoda'atam not only you who are at Harsi, not all future generations instruct your children. You want to know what it's going to be like if you instruct your child Torah? It'll be an experience of majesty, of Harsinai, 
of Masoret, of tradition, teaching Torah to our children, even to our grandchildren, according to that Girsah, has something beyond just transmitting information. That's the statement. It's an experiential, emotional, psychological altering event. Now that's the Derasha means after that so that's the final answer of the Gemara how would Rabbi Yehuda explain these Pesukim doesn't he have to contend with the fact that we learn from these Pesukim that the answer is he understands them in terms of the message they give us Torah has another dimension called psychological emotional experiential as if you were at Har Sinai okay well that being the case let's now push it backwards let's fill in the details the details we need to fill in are number one how we know Rabbi Yehuda generally is not Doresh Semuchin and number two how we know that in Mishneh Torah and Sefer Devarim he does so let's go back to here says the Gemara Deha you see Deha it's before the lines get wide about seven lines up first word on the line Deha says the Gemara Deha Rabbi Yehuda lo darish simuchin bechola Torah kula ube Mishneh Torah darish after all Rabbi Yehuda we find he generally speaking is not Doresh Simuchim Pesukim written one close to the other where there's seemingly no connection um, but when it comes to Sefer Devarim he does how do we know that when I'm not in Sefer Devarim just give me one example where Rabbi Huda seems to maintain we don't make a derasha because of adjacent seemingly irrelevant Pesukim Detanya the Beraita teaches the following Ben Azai Omer Ne'emar Mechashefa Lo Tehaye Ve'ne'emar so the Derashav ben Azai goes as follows. The Torah says, This Pasuk, very important. Where is this Pasuk? In Shemot, Perekafbet, Parashat Mishpatim, not in Sefer Devarim. Okay. Witchcraft shall not be left alive. In other words, you put to death a person who's performing witchcraft. What type of death penalty? We always have that sort of question. It's a significant thing. Of course, it's a Masechet Sanhedrin question, but it's a significant one. How do I derive that? Oh, says Ben Azai, read the Pasuk right afterwards. You go from Kafbet Yodzain to Kafbet Yodhet. Bestiality. What does one have to do with the other? Of course, you might answer they're both ways of the non-Jews. Okay, says Ben Azai, more than that. If I know the punishment of motyumat, of bestiality, of sleeping with an animal, I'll know the punishment as well for mechashefa. What's that called? Simuchin. I happen to know Rashi fills in the details. It's a derasha, it's a gezera shava, that um, bestiality gets put to death with sekila. As a result, that's right, a double derasha. As a result, I know mechashefa as well, biskila. The opinion of Ben Azai. Not who we're looking for, and he's clearly being Doresh Simuchim. Says the Beraita further, Amar le Rabbi Yehuda, Vechim Ipenesh, Samecho Inyan lo, Notziz Liskila? Are you telling me, Ben Azai, my friend, my colleague, that because the Torah placed these Pesukim one to, next to the other, do you realize what you're deriving from this? Understand there are four types of mitot betin being put to death by a betin, by court, by Jewish court. The most severe is skilah. You're because of this, Rabbi Yehuda might say, cute simuchin, you're going to give this person the highest level punishment? Can't do that. Already we got our answer to how we know Rabbi Yehuda is not doresh simuchin. He's unhappy with that derasha. Okay, but we do nonetheless want to hear the whole story. Come on, tell me the whole thing. So Rabbi Uda, where do you derive this? Ela, rather, he's going to come to the same conclusion. 
but not with that methodology called simuchin. Ela ov v'yideoni b'chlal kol ha-mechashifim hayu v'lama yaseu lahakish lahen v'loma lecha ma'ov v'yideoni b'skila af mechashifa b'skila. Rather, his derasha goes as follows. Ov and yideoni. What's ov and yideoni? Ov and yideoni are types of kishuf, types of witchcraft. Uh, one is with regards to you take the dead in some way, put it under your um, your armpit, and it speaks. The other one, you take a bone of a dead, you put it underneath your tongue in your mouth, and it speaks. I can't explain to you what these are. I have no idea, no concept. I know that's what Rashi tells us. The Gemara alludes to this as well. Those are types of old witchcraft. The Torah specifies oven yideoni, getting put to death with skila. That's strange. You had a pasuk which said witchcraft. Everything's under that heading. And then separately you have Oven Yedeoni. The question, says Rabbi Yudai, is if they were Bichlal, this is called Kilal Imperat, right? That's in the 13 Midot of Rabbi Ishmael, indeed, right? So if you, they were part of Mechashef Alotehaya, why did the Torah specify Oven Yedeoni? Aha, it's to tell you that a detail which you may have not caught from Mechashefa is true by all the others. For whatever reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Berov decided this is the way to present it. But we derive from this that Oven Yedeoni are the, not the exception to the rule, but they are the rule itself. It's a Kelal Uperat, you're done Ke'in HaPerat. You're deciding and determining that Ome Chashifa gets Gila. Okay, for our purposes, the details of Kishuf and Oven Yedeoni and all that sort of are not our business. What is our business? The fact that Rabbi Uda, generally speaking, and Parashah Mishpatim listened to even his words. He turns to Ben Azayin, he says, He doesn't like Simuchin. It's not part of his methodology. How do you know in Sefer Devarim he does? He gets to the same answer. Gets to the same answer. crazy? That's the most severe thing. I happen to agree also. But it's the most But I would never do it that way. I would never get to it that way, but I agree with you. Yep. Wow. Okay, so that's, uh, and it sounds like if that's the way he's speaking, no simuchin, no, when it comes to Sefer Devarim, and we can and should pause and reflect for a moment, we're not going to get into the full depth, but uh, when you think about how Sefer Devarim exists, and there's Orha Chaim HaKadosh has famous words about this, if I'm not mistaken, at the beginning of Sefer Devarim, where he quotes this Gemara, where he quotes Rabbi Uda's opinion. Sefer Devarim is Eleha Devarim Asher Diber Moshe. Sefer Devarim are, so to speak, the words of Moshe. Of course, we accept it was prophetically inspired from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but as a result, it's written in a qualitatively different way than the rest of the Torah. Now, the rest of the Torah is Kivyachol, or, or literally HaKadosh Baruch Hu, into the ear of Moshe and writing it down. Sefer Devarim is the mind of Moshe being inspired by God and Eleha Devarim Asher Diber Moshe, he has some part in it. You can already appreciate and understand that Devarim will be a bit different. Said differently, don't say it like that. Said differently, and some of the Mephashim suggested this way, Devarim is reiterating what you read in the rest of the Torah. But the fact that it puts it in a particular order, if it changes orders, there's a reason for that. Uh, the rest of the Torah, Kadosh Baruch Hu told you to do it that way. Seva Devarim, if it's just repeating it, Hakam Moshe, so to speak, with Nevoah, didn't repeat it the same way, there's a reason for it. Okay, either one of those general approaches to understanding this, what's the proof that Rabbi Uda, when it comes to Mishneh Torah, and again, the ramifications for our Gemara is that the Hoda'atam and Yom HaShem Amadita are in Seva Devarim Perek Talit. How do you know that generally speaking he doesn't? We just addressed. How do you know that in Mishneh Torah he does? Well, here it goes. Ube Mishneh Torah, three lines into the medium width lines. Minalan de Darish, how do you know he's Doresh Semuchim? Detanya, as the Beraita teaches. Rabili Ezra Omer, Nose Adam Anusat Aviv Umfutat Aviv. Anusat Beno Umfutat Beno. 
The halacha is, generally speaking, even after divorce, a son is not allowed to get married to their father's wife. Neither is the father, even after divorce, allowed to get married to their daughter-in-law. Now, even if your father's wife is not your mother, you're nonetheless forbidden. Says it be the Ezer, there's exceptions to the rule. If the father didn't have a natural marriage, but rather was me'anes, lo adenu, he raped, or he was mefateh, he seduced that woman, or the son likewise did so. What's the halacha in that situation? Does the woman now take on the status of eshet aviv, eshet beno, kalato? The answer is no. Okay, interesting statement. Uh, we don't know per se from this beraita how we derive that, but that's the statement. Excuse me, so one more time. Says I disagree with your first statement. If lo aleno, a father did rape or seduce a woman, the son is still prohibited. But it wasn't his wife. And the Torah seems to say, Eshet Aviv, the wife. Mm, I have a way of deriving that. Obviously, we know it's going to be Simuchim. What's the reasoning? What's the underlying makor source for Biuda? The Pasuk says, Lo yikach ish et Eshet Aviv. Okay, so first and foremost, the Pasuk explicitly tells us it's forbidden for a son, even after the divorce of his father, of course, Eshet Ish, otherwise, can't be married to Eshet Aviv. Eshet Aviv, in the most simple sense, means the wife. Velo yigale kenaf aviv. And furthermore, you're not allowed to expose the kanaf. What's a kanaf? Kanaf means like the corner of a garment. You see, um, if a person uh, does hopa in today's day and age, especially the Syrians, the Sfaradim, we put a talit over the head of, uh, of husband and wife. That's a sign. That's a sign. Uh, in, uh, in Migilat Rut, you have such a ufarasta kinafecha lamatecha. It means to, when I'm kind of, as a man and a woman, uh, bringing her, so to speak, into my domain, into my arba'amot, into a life with me, the symbolic and halachic gesture is to place something over. Now, over here, yigalek hanafav means you're not allowed to expose, you're not allowed to pick up that corner. Now, the fact that the pasuk started with wife and continued with the corner of his garment, again, imagine, his, so to speak, he picked up his coat and he put it over her. Now, putting it over her is not wife, per se. It is a sign that they're close. What's that referring to? The pasuk isn't going to be redundant. Pasuk says you can't be married to, can't have relations to your father's wife. Neither can you to the woman, so to speak, that was involved with him. That's how we... So the derasha goes like this. Kanaf shera'a aviv lo yigale. Even the kanaf shera'a aviv, the corner which his father was involved with, this woman, you can't expose. Even anusat aviv. Even a woman who was raped by your father, she had involvement with your father. Uh, I mean, there are other people who have involvement with your father. As a matter of fact, the Gemara elsewhere challenges this. The other way to go on this is as follows. It's a little complicated, so we're going to do it very quickly. This might be referring to what's called Shomeret Yadam. If a woman was married to the husband, the, excuse me, the brother of this man, and he died without children. This woman now has what's called zika. She's connected to that man. That's called shomeret yavam. What if the son goes and has relations with her then? Kind of connected to the father, but not actually his wife. In other words, the Gemara challenges, Rabbi Yehuda, what made you think that that pasuk was referring to when the father raped this woman? 
Maybe it was talking about a more clean and sterile case of Shomeret Yavam. Umimai deba anusat aviv ketib, question mark. Who said that when the pasuk says, velo yigale kenaf aviv, it's referring to even when the father seduced, excuse me, raped a woman, that the son is forbidden. Here's the answer. Desamichle, because Right next to it, ironically, before it over here, the Pasuk says, That's the punishment of a person who rapes a woman. So, if we're to summarize, what did the Gemara do for us? And then we'll just read the final lines again, put it all together. The Gemara began for us with a challenge, a question. Rabbi Yudah, how is it possible that you permit, even mandate, a Baal Keri saying the Berkot Kiriyat Shema? Don't you agree that Divrei Torah Asufa Baal Keri? Don't you know that the Rashav Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi, the Semuchim, the Hoda'atam Levanecho, the Mnei Banecho, Yom Asher Mad Talifnei Adonai Lecho Bechorev, Malehalan Baalei Keri Nasurin, Afkan Baalei Keri Nasurin, Says the Gemara, oh, maybe it's because he's not Doresh Semuchim. No, don't you know what Rav Yosef said? That Rabbi Yehuda maintains that even someone like Rabbi Yehuda, um, who doesn't generally be Doresh Semuchim, we gave an example, Parashat Mishpatim, Mechashefa, right? That example of Shochem Behema. Nonetheless, when it comes to Mishneh Torah, Sefer Devarim, we gave an example for that. Anusat Aviv, he is Doresh. Well, that being the case, I'm stuck. So then how come Rabbi Uda permits Divrei Torah, Bekot Kriyat Shema for Baal Keri? He should be Doresh Semuchim. Answers to Kemarai. Amre, in be Mishneh Torah Darish, Fahane Semuchim, Mi Ba'elel, Iddach Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi, Da'amar Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi. Kol HaMelamed, Libno Torah, Ma'ale Alav HaKatuv, Ki Ele Kibbelam Haz, Chorev, Shnei Emar. In other words, the punchline of the Gemara is, indeed, you didn't catch him, you explained him. Rabbi Uda does agree to the Simuchin. It's in Sefer Devarim, it's in Devarim Perek Dalit, of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, but he accepts the other Derasha interpretation of what that Simuchin teaches me. It doesn't teach me that Abba Al-Keri is Asub Divrei Torah, it rather inspires and explains what Torah, when you teach properly to your children, or perhaps even grandchildren, is all about. It's about almost as if the Torah speaks about that experience as if you are at Har Sinai. You continue the Masoret, the Shalshelet HaKabbalah, the tradition, the chain of tradition, which is what binds us, ultimately speaking, to the moment of revelation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Har Sinai. It's not prohibitive, according to the Biuda, in saying, Baal Keri is Asur B'divrei Torah. It's rather inspirational in saying, when you teach your children, perhaps your grandchildren, you are, in a certain respect, tapping into the origin, the beginning of where it all was when we received Torah and experienced that moment or moments of inspiration together with God. Baruch Amen ve Amen.